welcome you back to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. Chris wants to say that it is the People's Champions Boxing Podcast. Chris Algieri, former 140-pound champion, and Dan Kenobi every single week. Took a little bit of a longer break this time, but we're back in your life for a fun episode today with some mailbag questions, some updates on a lot of fights that are being made, and one fight in particular that's not being made. Chris, how are you? I am. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We are. We are the uncrowned champion of boxing podcasts out there. But the people know. People, people know. do know. Go ahead and leave us a five star rating and review. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube if you haven't. There was a really nice. Um, where was it? A really nice review left uh, for us on iTunes, and I was going to send it to you last night, but I forgot. Um, it's titled "These Guys Deliver." Five stars. Every week, these guys have the energy, the content, the insight, and the humor. I look forward to it, and I've yet to be disappointed by a single podcast. They deserve all the props they're getting and more. <laughs> that that's a five star review right there. That's that that makes me that makes me happy. It's but I mean, listen, homeboy's right. Poor girl, I don't I don't know who wrote that, but I don't know a very very great listener. So I thank you to that person and everyone out there that is listening to the show uh, to do all that good stuff to keep the lights on and the lights might go off during this podcast because Ronnie isn't in the room. Uh, this happened last time and Ronnie's not in the room. The light goes off. So if the light goes off, I'll have to get up. Uh, Chris, this episode is brought to you by DraftKings. Getting on the action with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's the official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no sweat bet up to $100,000 back in bonus bets. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code IBL. New customers get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000. And If your first bet loses, I've never lost a bet in my life. Asterisk. Uh, only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with code IBL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-88-100-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, you can call... 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of the Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. No sweat bet per new customer. Uh, it's only one of those issued as one bonus bet based on the amount of initial Losing bet. Bonus bet expires 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash promos for deposit wagering and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Done with that. Chris, there's a big, uh, biggest story in boxing, Chris. The biggest story in boxing remains. Who is Canelo Alvarez going to fight on May 4th? The timeline to this fight and his opponent is just getting weirder and sillier by the day. Bear with me a second, Chris. I'm going to explain to you the, the timeline, all right? So Canelo holds a press conference in Mexico. He announces that he's going to have a press conference in Mexico, and everyone was speculating that he was going to retire. Uh, he was going to lower the prices of Oxtail. He was going to announce a run for presidency. Everything it had the Twitter world and boxing world a buzz. It turns out that he's just going to extend his uh, contract with TV Azeka, box Azeka uh, over there. So all this is it's like pretty much business as usual, but it's great press for 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 that Mexican uh, network. So he holds his press conference in Mexico where he says he will be fighting on May 4th. He rules out Jaime Manguia. He says it will be an American opponent. So that keeps David Benavides in the running, keeps Terrence Crawford in the running, keeps Jamal Charlo in the running. That's until reports say that Canelo has no plans to fight Benavides. 
in 2024. He says he gained nothing by beating the smaller Crawford. And Jamal Charlo offers us a video from a uh, jet ski somewhere in the islands where he says that I have had a single conversation with Al Heyman since my fight, uh, which was in November. While chugging rum runners. <laughs> While looking a little toasted. Um, yeah, so that's the latest with Canelo. I have no idea what to expect anymore. Just the biggest because- story, the biggest story in boxing world is that there's no story around Canelo. That's that's Canelo. The, there's no story. Dude, that 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 announcement to make an announcement to not really announce anything was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in terms of boxing media. There was so much hype and discussion going on around that. Biggest letdown I, I've had in a long time when it came what, to What did you think it was going to be? I thought he was going to announce that he's fighting Charlo and then that he was going to be fighting. I was hoping I was being optimistic CA, which I'm almost never these days uh-huh. that he was going to fight Benavides in September, or he was going to announce that it was Crawford in September, which was going to piss me off. But I, th- I thought it was going to be something. It was literally just to hype up the Azteca deal, which good for them. Good for them. Great for them. Great for them. Good for him too. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be good for him. Money wise. I think but it's cool not- that he, uh, he, he, his fights are free for the people of Mexico. Yeah, that's awesome. But I don't know, man. He's 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 not doing us any favors as boxing fans lately. I, I don't know who he's gonna fight. I understand the, like this conversation. He's Canelo. He can do whatever he wants. He's earned the right. He's earned. That's not the right. that, that's not true. You cannot. If you are the face of the sport, you cannot do whatever you want. You can, but it's gonna hurt your legacy. You can, but you're gonna get a lot of flack from everyone around you. You can, but people are gonna talk shit. And I, we all know he doesn't like when people talk shit. So we're gonna. If you don't fight David Benitez, we're gonna talk shit. We yeah. we are too. We're we're. I'm a pro Canelo guy. I'm gonna talk shit if he doesn't fight. If he doesn't fight Benavides. Of course, it's not even like hating, quote unquote. You're not saying anything. No, it's not hate at all. I like Canelo. I I really like Canelo. It's the fight. It's the most obvious fight. It's it's that's why this whole game that we're playing this wacky timeline. We can't find an opponent. The opponent has been there for the last year and a half. It's David Benavides, and if it's not September. And and it feels like it's it's never going to happen. It's, not, it's obviously not going to happen in May unless something crazy happens. But and even the WBC says they're going to issue uh, Suleiman says they're going to issue um, Mangi. Excuse me, they're going to issue Benavides as his mandatory in March. I don't know what they were waiting for for that. But we're we're running out of of opponents here. And just because Charlo says that he hasn't spoken to Al Heyman since November, yeah, that, was, that doesn't he, mean anything. That just that, that like I think Charlo's the favorite. I I still think it's a PBC fight that could be made. Um, he showed up or he called into a streamer's, uh, Aiden Ross's stream. And he was drunk the other night asking, uh, to commentate on one of his things. And, and he says he's bigger than Javante Davis. Like you can say what you want about Jamal hasn't fought in forever. No one's really excited about that fight, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, my guess would be Jamal Charlo to fight Canelo next. It's going to be Jamal. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not sure of anything, especially lately. When it comes to comes to Canelo and, and and what's gonna happen, but it just I mean the writing has been on the wall and it just feels like lately, whatever the first thing you hear, you know even in a long line of it's always the first thing like the Devin Haney Ryan Garcia thing we heard that one first we're like oh and then it was all these different guys and then we go back to that we're back to that there's just a, there's a lot of just bait and switch going on but it's really not it's just it's all it's all smoke and mirrors and it seems like especially with the announcement from from last week from Canelo it's a lot of smoke and mirrors I, I think it's just gonna be Charlo. And there's a lot of rumors going around too. Um, none of them have been, uh, you know, confirmed by anyone that Canelo will be leaving the PBC. Like there's not there's money issues with PBC. 
and they can't guarantee the 35 million for, for Canelo. So that kind of got shot down on, on Twitter. We're seeing a lot of people throw out a lot of rumors. It's interesting because it's February 20th, right? Uh, his fight is May 4th. He says he will be fighting May 4th. He, he, it's just a, pen, a matter of who. Um, so that's what the boxing world was waiting on. He's still well, is the face with of that boxing. new deal with Azteca. He's definitely going to be fighting. He can fight a cab driver. If it's free for the Mexican fans, they're not going to care. Right. But he, if there's ever any doubt of who the face of boxing was, it's still Canelo because this guy said, I have an announcement to make on Tuesday. He said this on Super Bowl. And we're all there, bated breath. Right. And it was nothing. It. Still got it. He still got it. It's Canelo, man. He's, it's, he's still the guy that moves the needle. Got everyone speculating, people talking about him retiring. One thing he did say was that he was going to fight for another four or five more years, which is, I love that. That's like at least 10 more wow. fights. A long time. Eight to 10 more fights. We'll see. So he fights Benavides and, and loses. I mean, he'll have to have a rematch there. But are, are you a little shocked that it's not Benavides? Like, are, are you a little shocked that, like, what's going on with this? Because I, I don't like to use the word ducked. I, I don't be really believe that fighters do that. But what the hell is going on with Canelo not wanting to fight David Benavides? Listen, I never expected Benavides to be in May, but I really did expect it to be in September. And if it doesn't happen in September, it's never going to happen. And that's really, that sucks. That really sucks for, for fight fans. That sucks for Canelo. That really sucks for David Benavides. Um, but this this is just weird. And it's getting weirder. If 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 it was going to be Jamal Charlo, which nobody wants, right? Nobody wants except for Charlo and Al Heyman um, and probably Canelo. But if if they are to make that fight and then he fights Benavides in September, and I've said this before on the show, I'm okay. Okay, okay. I can deal with Charlo. We got Benavides coming in September. But if he fights Charlo in May and then doesn't fight Benavides in September and doesn't fight Munguia in September and ends up fighting anyone else, X, that X could be Crawford. I am, dude, I am, I might have to jump off the Canelo train. Because, dude, you have you have the most viable contender possible to fight, and it makes such such sense, and it's a commercial blockbuster. How do you not take that fight? It's crazy. But on top of all of that, the governing bodies who are allowing him to sit on these belts is disgusting. David Benavidez deserves to be fighting for these belts. If Canelo's not going to fight him, take strip those belts. Let David let David fight him because David will fight David Morrell. Benavides will step in and fight David Morrell for one of those titles because he's he's that dude. And listen, we want the best fights in the world. We want champions. We want the guys with the belts to be the best guys who are fighting the best guys, not not the face who could just sit on belts. It's just weird. Like, but, but why do you think he doesn't want to fight? Do you think he, he like he's not scared? Like, do you think he just can't win? Like, what do you think his reasoning is for not wanting to fight Benavides? I don't think Canelo's scared of anyone. I mean. I... I don't know how much he has control because there's always handlers, right? There's always people around guys who think they should fight a guy or shouldn't fight a guy. I don't really know what the holdup is. And he hasn't really given a good excuse. He hasn't given really any excuse why he's not fighting David Benavides, which is, which is not good either. Um, I mean, it's a tough style for sure. Uh, I don't I don't know for sure that Canelo beats David Benavides, even if they fight right now. Um, I still think like, people who are saying, you know, David will blow him out. I don't really see that because mm. um, there are people saying that and people who really know boxing are saying that. Uh, I think it's a good fight either way. And I don't know, man, especially Mexican legends. They're 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 known for fighting I the mean. toughest guys around and even losing. It's OK. And getting beat up bad. Like guys lose, you know, uh, De La Hoya beat the hell out of Chavez senior twice and it didn't knock any luster off of Chavez. 
you know, so I don't, I don't know, man. It's, it's a very weird, it's a very, very weird, weird situation. Very weird situation. If you take a look at like some of Canel's last three fights, Jermel Charlo, who has shown to be um, put up a goose egg in that fight, John Ryder. Also, he, we, we got to remember Jermel Charlo is a 54 pounder. They fought at 168. 54 pounder in Charlo. He fought John Ryder, which was like a voluntary defense or whatever defense. And then Gennady that's a Golovkin. tough dude. But if you're the face of boxing, that, that's not the guy we want to see you in with. Right. And Gennady Golovkin. Um, those were his last three fights. So he <laughs> definitely due for a, a big one. He's due well, to Gennady five years too late. But yeah. OK. Definitely due to fight Benavidez. Definitely due to, to give the fans what they want. It's very strange. Uh, I've really run out of um, thoughts on it. And we're just not going to wait because eventually they're going to have to announce it. It's February 20th. They're going to have to announce it soon. It's going to be. A, a it seems like an age thing, honestly. Because if you look at all the guys he's fighting recently, everyone's over the age of 30. Actually, they're all over this age of 32, I think. Mm. They're all 32, and and they're smaller. And the guys that are younger are smaller. Charlo's, what, 33? Yeah. And for coming up coming up two-way classes. Uh, John Ryder's just turned 36. I think when they fought, he was 30, 34 or 35 and is currently retired. Um, uh, Golovkin was 40, 40 when they fought. Yeah. Not great. They're all They're all older guys. Not great. He's got to. Uh, I understand he's had one hell of a resume, and yes, I do to a certain extent. He does. He's able to call his shots, but you know, I, I thought he was re-energized in that Canelo fight. I thought he was ready to uh, Charlo fight. I thought he was ready to take on all comers. Look great. Right he did look there. great against a guy who didn't want to fight. Yeah, there's a fight right there waiting for you to to, to have a huge one, Benavides, and hopefully that happens. Uh, but Dean, to your point about him, like in his legacy and what he's already done, and you know, it's hard to knock him because of what he's already done. If that's the case, and you just want to fight, kind of showcase fights and not really be in there, those belts got to come off. They got to come off your body. You can't. You can't be the. You can't be the top of a of a, of a division. Uh, you can be the face of the sport, but you can't be the champion. If you're not willing to fight the toughest guys around, if you're not willing to fight the contenders, and David Benavides is the most earned potential uh, uh, contender there there is around. If you're not willing to fight that guy or those guys, you shouldn't be champ. You can right. be the face. You can you can you can go out. You can go fight Conor McGregor. I don't care. Is, but you can't be the champion. Yeah, I, I don't think Suleiman will will do that. I don't think Suleiman no. is going to strip Canelo Alvarez. That is his guy. That is the WBC is so aligned with the country of Mexico, and and it would be. I, I don't think he'll do it. He's getting almost back into a corner, Suleiman the WBC. We'll see what they do. I, I don't think he'll do that. Um, yeah, that's the that's the latest with uh with with Canal. So hopefully we have some answers soon. The latest is there is no latest. That's that's it's, kind of like it kind of reminds me of Mayweather. Like Mayweather would uh you know his opponents would drag out and we would wait until like around now, like February, like first month of March, and then for those May fights and then we would get an announcement and we'd be like not so excited before it. And then once the fight comes around, we get excited because it was Mayweather, or we get excited because it's Canelo. So we'll see. Jack Catterall is fighting Josh Taylor. April 27th, bad blood. Um, They're on stage this week, smacking each other, twisting each other's nipples, pushing each other, kicking each other. Definitely bad blood. Uh, I think there's a lot of bad blood. I, I don't think that the fight will live up to the bad blood because the first fight, if you really <laughs> remember, really wasn't that good of a fight. The only reason yeah. why it was memorable was because it was a bad decision. And fans who did not like Josh Taylor saw him lose and be so defiant. Uh, in that loss that he was he was gifted. Uh, they're finally going to fight in a rematch. Two years later, April 27th, grudge match. It's fine. Uh, no problem with grudge matches. I don't think it has any bearing on the titles in the 140. It's just a good old-fashioned grudge match. Yeah, I, I was saying that this fight is two years too late, and it's lost a lot of luster, and people don't care as much. 
but you know, you can pump some new lifeblood into it by having each other shove each other and grab each other's nipples and get punched in the face. Uh, I, I would put touching a man's nipples and grabbing his beard the way that Charlo did to uh, to plant yeah. are are both punch in the faceable offenses. And Jack went to the strangle, the hand, the, the the choke on the hand. I disagree on that. You touch my nipples, I'm I'm cracking you in your jaw. I don't, I don't, I don't. That's not cool. You don't see too many nipple twists at press conferences. No, no. Jo- I mean, Josh has been wild at these press conferences. Like, he's he's he's. I, he, I saw a, a video of him bringing a book or something over, and then tried to hit Jack with a chair. I don't even think they hate each other. Oh, absolutely. No, I think the grudge is real. I mean, they they have they have good reason for it. But like you said, the first fight wasn't that great. And literally, has Jack Catterall ever been in a good fight? Has he ever been in a fight where you're like, man, that was that was fun to watch? Not in just... a lot of bangers. He'll he'll be like he'll be sound like he'll he'll win a that fight. That was good. Like, he's a good fighter, good counterpuncher. But like he's just he he's not a very memorable guy in terms of the way he fights. And how much does Taylor have left after that? You know, Tifimo beat down and. Seems like he's 140. He's not really not his division, and 147. He's not big he was, enough. Like he didn't, he now. didn't, he didn't look very fit at these press conferences either. He looks pretty big. Looks pretty yeah. big. Uh, that's April 27th. You could drop that into a, like a very loaded um, five or six month, excuse me, five or six weeks stretch of uh, the boxing schedule. So that would be fun one to kind of just a good old fashioned grudge match. This weekend, Edgar Belanga is back in action uh, in Orlando, facing. Uh, Rodrigue McCrory, a Brit. Uh, Prolonga, we know the story about Prolonga by now, right? He's the the flesh in the pan that once was, and now he's trying to rega- regain that knockout uh, streak or regain that knockout uh, fierceness, and he's got a lot of decisions back to back to back, and he's kind of waiting in the wings. I can fight Canelo. I can fight Munguia. I can fight this guy. Got to get past McCrory. If he knocks out McCrory, uh, he needs a knockout bid for long. Yep. I, I I believe that. I really do. Like a win is not enough. He needs to, a knockout and then get some momentum. Yeah, he needs uh he needs to snap that drought that he's had. Sixteen straight first round knockouts, then five straight decisions. And when it's you're the known as the monster, you, you you can't have five straight decisions. Um, granted, he's fought much better opposition. He definitely stepped up. Um, he had some injuries to recover from. He tore his bicep in that in that fight with uh uh that Argentinian guy who's super tough. Um, you know, so he, he he's, he's had a little bit of a rocky road, but I thought he looked good against Quigley, his last fight. Quigley, uh, too small, not enough firepower. Um, but still, and Quigley put up a, put up a good show and, and, and Berlanga showed some, some, some of his old, his old, uh, chops in there. And I think he got better as the fight went on. So I think he's, he's going to take that momentum that he has from the Quigley fight. He's got another Irishman in front of him. Um, but this guy is a little different than Quigley. He's not, he's a little more confident. I think he's got a little more power. Um, definitely more of a 68 pounder, but I don't think he's as good as Quigley in terms of his boxing skills and Quigley put on a great performance that night. And, uh, yeah, he, he fought very, very well. He had Andy Lee in his corner and they had a great game plan. They just didn't have enough firepower. Like I said, but I think this guy, but this guy presents some things that'll make this fun fight while this, this fight fun while it lasts, but there's going to be a lot of holes and a lot of opportunities for Belanga to land. And uh, I, th- I think we potentially could see the end of that drought. I would like to see a knockout. I like to see Prolonga. He- he's a character. Um, get back into the mix. He can fight too, man. He uh, he's he's fu- he's fun when he's on. It hasn't been on in quite a while. Um, the Quigley fight went the distance. Romer Alexis Angulo ten round distance. Steve Rolls. Steve Rolls ten round distance. Marcelo. Hey, Steve Rolls is good though, man. Steve Rolls is a tough guy. Yeah, he's. The, I've called a bunch of his fights. Uh, he went the distance with Coseres. He went the distance with Demond Nicholson. 
that was the first fight that went the distance for in his career was with Demond Nicholson in 2021. So hasn't had a knockout since 2020. That's crazy. Scored a bunch of knockdowns in those fights, though, even though uh, Quigley dropped like two or three times. I think he dropped Demond twice. He dropped um, Quigley in the third, the fifth, and the twelfth. Yeah, Coceres was a was a war, and he tore his bicep, his left arm, his left bicep in that fight. Um, Angulo was just a very very poor showing. That was the worst. That was fight. when he that was the the when he bit. bite. Yep, that was bad. It was rock bottom for him. And I'm Steve Rolls, for- Steve Rolls is just a tough guy who fought a really good fight that night. I'm rooting for Berlanga. I want to see more characters in boxing. Let's throw him in the mix at 168. Fight Mungia. Uh, you know, look at some of the awesome guys fight. in 68. Don't you know? Don't look at Canelo because you're not going to get him. Who knows? Maybe you. He will. might, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> Who knows? He might. Maybe you will, but just get that might him. be that, that might be the main fight. <laughs> as crazy as this is, Mungia was in the mix for a while, and 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 I, I actually I really like that Mungia Canelo fight. I like I like that idea, but also I like Mungia. I dude, I like Mungia with a lot of people. He's just fun. Mungia yeah. Berlanga is a great fight. Mungia Canelo. I like Mungia David Benavidez. Granted, these are all across across the road. They're very difficult to make, but they're all fun fights. I think Mungia versus Berlanga will will be next. It's it, all the zone fight. It could be all action. It's Matchroom versus Golden Boy. They've worked together. Mexico versus Puerto Rico. It's that's the fight. So Berlanga wins this. Looks good. He his name automatically gets back into the uh, the forefront at 168. Uh, also, before we get to our mailbag, Junto Nakatani is fighting this weekend yeah. off of a, or he's not his last fight, but the one before that, that unbelievable knockout of the year uh, over Maloney, um, Andrew Maloney. Um, he knocks him out. So this is his first fight at 118. It's coming up from 115. It's for uh, Alejandro Santiago's WBC title. It's a good fight. It's a, a fun one. Nakatani is worth tuning into. Uh, he's huge at 118. He could potentially go up to 122. There's people already putting him in the ring with Inouye. Uh, but this should be a nice little fun fight uh, between Juto Nakatani. I, I, after that knockout, I, I believe he's he's kind of like a guy that you have to tune in if you're a boxing fan and figure out uh, what he's got, really. So I called a bunch of Juto's fights for for Top Rank International when he came over here and fought in the States a bunch of times. Um, he's fantastic. He's really, really, really good. Uh, huge for the weight class, even though he's moving up. I still think he's big. He's very tall. He's very long. Um great skill set good power but he dude he's got a tough fight in front of him santiago um we we were calling that fight live you and i uh for ppb.com when he fought when santiago beat donaire right remember that right and uh that uh he put on a great performance against a very very dangerous donaire um and you know he showed his youthful exuberance in that fight he threw tons of punches really came on strong down the stretch to beat donaire which is not easy to do even at 39 40 years old the guy has a majority decision with Gary Antoine, Antonio Russell. Like the, the guy, the guy can fight. Um, and so this is a uh, not an easy fight for Judo Nakatani. First, fir- first fight at the weight class. So um, I think that's a. Uh, I don't know. It's not the first fight at the weight class. It's not. I thought it was his first fight at one eighteen. Pretty sure it was. Uh oh, maybe it is. I'm looking at the wrong guy. First fight at one eighteen, and it's a title shot and oh yes it is yes it is not again so yeah exactly like i said not not an easy f- entry into into a new weight class finding a guy like santiago who's obviously been there before and knows how to deal with guys with power because if donaire is nothing left he's got he's got a ton of power he's got power um if he wants to stay at 122 we got jason maloney uh he knocked out his brother uh, he's the wbo champ emmanuel rodriguez is the wba champ of course everyone uh wants to pit him against in um uh, Nakatani's all all Japanese affair. That would be awesome at the Tokyo Dome. Nakatani's big. I could see him going up to to one twenty two next. Um, who knows? Uh, there's plenty of time to make a fight with Inoue. 
Um, not that I think this should happen next, but I went to the ESPN fights on Friday night at the Garden. Uh, saw our guy Joe Tess, hung out with him, saw a bunch of uh, our listeners. Um, it was awesome um, to be just be back in New York at a fight. And there's not many of them these days. And Bruce Carrington. Did you see that knockout? Yes, I did. Bruce, he is shoo, awesome. shoo. He is really good. And he's at 122 right now. Or excuse me, featherweight. He's at. He's featherweight. He's at 126. 26, yeah. Yeah, and he was his first fight on regular ESPN. He had been fighting on the, you know, the undercards. Mm-hmm. Opening up the show on ESPN. Had a nice lead in with the NBA All-Star weekend. And I'm I'm in the backstage area and I'm watching him wait. He's waiting because there's like a 10 minute uh delay. Because boxing always gets delayed on ESPN, even if it's a celebrity freaking basketball game. Anyway, uh, in a way is, I mean, excuse me, uh, Carrington is waiting, just waiting. He could just see, like, he's got so many thoughts going through his mind. He's about to make his his big moment on ESPN. And I see him make his ring walk. It's the coolest thing in the world seeing that happen. And then he goes in there, and I'm watching from the stage, and he just looks so fluid, and he has a spectacular knockout, uh, has that crazy speech afterwards. Did you catch that? Uh, talking, mm-hmm. He did the Tyson thing because he's from Brownsville. Place is going up for grabs, and I'm just thinking in my head, that right there, he, that's how you draw it up if you're Bruce Carrington. It was such a cool moment to see that. And he seems like a great kid. Um, oh, he's fantastic. He's awesome. But he's someone you know that, that they're already like trying to find the next American uh star that can beat in a way it's not a bad thing if he's being lumped within a way it's a great thing you need to tack on to, to a superstar and and in any way you can get publicity but man i loved what i saw from bruce carrington he, he's a definitely a, a bona fide blue chipper absolutely not that kid that kid is awesome he's a great kid too um and uh yeah i think the upside on him is is tremendous i just hope they don't rush him i think he he still has some more development to do he he keeps shining with his opportunities um, you know, but it's still early on, you know, he's, 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 he's got some maturity to go to get under his belt, got some experience to build. Um, you know, it's tough fighting some of those guys who've been around for a long time, um, early on, cause they can take a lot out of you. I always think about Felix Trinidad when he fought David Reed and when he fought Fernando Vargas, like, yeah, yeah they were, they were budding young guys coming up really fast. And then they put them in with a killer like Trinidad or a killer, like in a way it can take a lot out of a young fighter. I think top rank will will hand them correctly. You know, yeah, they always do. They're the best. They're they're the best developmental uh, promotion out there. It it was awesome to see everyone over there. It's good good to be back in in a New York fight night. Uh, Main event saw our guy uh, Oshaki Foster with Mm -hmm. a close fight with Abraham Nova. Fun fight over on with uh, with my guy Nova. That's my dude, man. The bearded man with Mm -hmm. the uh, mascot. Um, That was Friday night. Anything else happened Friday night? Uh, All right, so Keyshawn uh, Keyshawn Davis. Uh, I told him I picked him to beat Pedraza, and he was cool. He was asking me what he thought about the uh, Tiafimo stuff. And I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, you're, you're doing what Tiafimo did to Lomachenko. Like, I have no problem with what you're doing. Like, you're calling yeah. out you're, – you're, you're looking to fight the best. You're calling out big names, What you're supposed to do. I don't think it looks forced. And he's like, all right, thanks, thanks. He's like – I think with Davis is he's he's looking for approval, and he's looking to, to see how, how he looked in there, and not just in the ring, but also, like, how he was looking afterwards calling out. I see a female. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there, there is no handwritten route on how to do it, how to, how to do it. Everybody's got to find their own way, and then, you know, that's the way that he's taken. Also, on Friday, we had a really good fight on ProBox TV. Uh, Ramon Cardenas beat uh, Picasso. I don't know if you saw this guy's jaw. No, his jaw got broken in the fifth round. I mean, there was teeth all over like that. This you could see, you literally could see the break in his jaw when he got hit. First of all, we heard it ringside. It was a, it was a right hand. Was that through the headphones? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You heard, you heard his jaw snap. 
Uh, and then the blood started flowing, and then we were we saw a couple of clips where we could see into his mouth. Two teeth were like in very, very, very ana- non anatomical places. Really, really nasty injury that happened. Unfortunately, because it was it was really turning out to be a good fight. Not that it wasn't, but it, it was starting to heat up. Yeah, there was a lot of fights Friday night. That's it was funny because boxing there was nothing Saturday, but there was like four shows Friday. It's just boxing in a nutshell. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. A lot of good questions. Thank you to everyone who sent us questions on, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere. We'll start off at Four Corners Boxing. This is uh, directed at you, Chris. Based off Chris's understanding of the industry, will we see PBC fighters start to go to other promoters to stay active, or is this just a slow transition to another network and PBC will be back in business as usual second half of this year? I think they're going to lose some fighters and they already have, you know, you saw super Matias take, take a jump, jump ship. Um, and for him, I think it makes a lot of sense because he is not a spring chicken. He's 31 years old. He has, he has a title, but he has not made any money yet. He cannot be on the PBC track where you fight once a year. He needs to get active. He needs the big fights. So jumping over to match room, I think was a, was a, a brilliant idea for him and his team. Cause there's a lot of guys for him to fight over there. And he's, and he's one of those guys he's willing to fight anybody cause he needs to. Um, so I think there, he's got that, that Al is going to lose some guys. He's not going to lose his, his diehards. He's not going to lose the guys that are, um, that are beholden to PBC and have been for a while. Um, but there are going to be other networks. I'm sure there's deals being done right now. So you're going to see another, I, I believe you're going to see another network come into the fray besides Amazon. Cause there just isn't enough dates on Amazon for PBC, all, well, for PBC. Right. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. It's got to be another network to come on for PBC. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I think he's gonna—they're gonna lose some fighters, right? Not many, not not the big ones, not the ones that have been with Al for a long time, been with PBC for a while. Um, but I do believe we're gonna see another network, if not two, come back, come come into this because there's just way too many fighters on the payroll um, for for PBC not to have and not to have the outlets that are that are there because Amazon's just not gonna have enough dates. I totally agree. I, there, from everything I'm seeing, uh, there's gonna be another network um, announced soon. Um, Guys like Danny Garcia is now is rumored to be fighting Connor Ben. So guys like that who are maybe towards the end of their careers, uh, already made their their millions with PBC, they might be set free. And also like some of the guys below contender status, you might see showing up on other shows. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think it's going to be back to business as usual, second half of the year, just getting a very slow start for PBC, but it's going to pick up really quick. People I was talking to all weekend, you know, feeling around, asking around uh, at the garden, at the weigh-in and stuff. It's like, yeah, everything's just going to happen so quick. Like, all of a yep. sudden, they're going to be right back into the schedule, right back into swing of things, and, and it's slow now, but it's going to be a big time. It's, it's your transition time, that's all. Yep. EVZSZ, what a name, on YouTube. Who are some fighters you believe to have the potential to be the face of boxing over the course of the next decade or so? Um, I will start. Uh, I have wrote down a few. And it just happened to be a lot of top-ranked guys because they're really good at making stars. Uh, Emiliano Vargas, Abdullah Mason, mm. Bruce Carrington, Vander Zayas. Uh, this is a PBC-signed guy. Kermal Motan, he signed with um, Mayweather. Uh, Mayweather, so he's already putting him on some PBC cards. Those are just some that, that come to mind uh, right away. But Abdullah Mason had a huge knockout two weekends ago. Dude, he's Bruce Carrington, good. yeah, he's 17. He's developing fast. Really, yeah. Top rank has two of the best prospects in boxing right now. Bruce Carrington and Abdullah Mason. Mason, he, dude, I don't know what happened. They, he's been eating well. He, he turned into a man in this fight. Like, looking at his back and his body, he's changed dramatically. He's only 17 or, you know, so forget it. Uh, 
that kid, uh, that kid's got a, a big upside. I agree with you. He's going to be a star. Xander Zayas, I think, has a superstar quality to him, and he has the, the Puerto Rican background. We oh, listen, the sport always has a Puerto Rican star. Yeah, you know, and and so we need someone to step into that position. Uh, for a while, it looked like it was going to be Edgar Belenga, kind of fumbled the ball on that one. So Xander, I think, is that guy. And not only does Xander have the star quality where he can smile, he can talk. He actually did it the the international for yeah, the fights that I heard he did amazing. He looked great. Um, and you know, so he's got he's got that. He's got so much to bring to the sport. He's been around for a long time, the amateur pedigree, and he can fight. And they're pushing a tough schedule. So listen, that's. Certainly, Xander Zayas is going to be a star, but I think the next face of boxing is going to be David Benavides. I think he, I think he's the guy to take take over the crown after Canelo. I think he's going to have a nice run for a bunch of years because he's still young, he's still improving, and he's willing to fight the toughest guys out there. So, uh, and he's another one we've interviewed him on Pro Box a bunch of times, dude. He's an awesome, awesome interview. Oh, he, great. Very, very smart guy. Really well spoken. Really respectful. He says everything and- you want to hear. Everything he says, everything he, you want to hear from the champion. He needs like seventy percent of it, which is a lot more than any other boxer. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he's he, he's awesome. He's very very well trained, uh, well trained media wise. I'm thinking of like guys. Uh, I went with a lot of prospects, but yeah, Benavides is a pretty good bet. Um, Devin Haney, if you want to get into guys that are already like champs or already like at that level, but if mm-hmm. especially if Benavides once stays at one sixty eight, let's say he he gets the Canelo fight and beats him, or he doesn't get the Canelo fight and beats Morel, and then he goes to one seventy five and he fights the winner of Bivol Betterbeev, and he beats them, then you're looking at a guy that's like there's Bonafide, no fight, face of boxing, yeah. superstar, top five pound for pound, Mexican, yeah. good smile, yeah. can talk, yeah, that's a good call. I, I like I like that a lot, and he's got a nice path uh, to do that. Uh, at Homer, our guy on Twitter, he's a um, big time listener of the show for years. In his view. What are the top three to five Chris Algieri performances to show someone not familiar with Chris's career? <laughs> I said, ooh, Chris is really going to like this one. Uh, Manuel Taylor yeah. was uh, one, of, one of my favorite performances. Yes, yeah, obviously, 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 the Provotnikov fight. Um, even though a loss, Amir Khan, a uh, really good fight. Tommy Coyle was a really fun fight. I, I, I we, we got into this conversation with Sean Porter the other day. Um, because he wasn't really that familiar with a lot of my fights. And he said, he's like, ah, you know, I kind of caught Chris on the tail end. He's like, I don't really Get watch you with the, sorry, I'm not familiar with your work. Basically. Um, but like, uh, what the hell? <laughs> well, you know, it is Sean. Sean also, you know, until he started uh, commentating, wasn't a watch. fan of boxing. He's the, one of those guys. Who, he's you know one of those guys who didn't watch That's fight. who I saw this weekend. Tim Bradley. Tim Bradley spoke to Tim. Loves yeah. our show. Uh, yep. Loves our channel. We, we're talking about Pro Box, talking about everything. He's hilarious. But keep going. Um and uh who's the other one? Um we the, the our CompuBox record setting fight, the 10 rounder where I threw like eleven hundred punches. Pulling uh, it up right now, actually. I got the database. Uh, Mongu, Mongu, uh Jose Pedraza. No, Jose uh Peralta. Peralta. Jose Peralta back in back in twenty what was that seventeen? No. No, that was probably no 2012, 2013. I have it up. That was here. a fun fight. Fun fight. Those are, those are the three Chris Algieri performances that. So I would know. say, yeah, I would say um, Peralta, Taylor, um, Khan, obviously Pavanikov, and and Coyle. Those are those are my and and you got to see the full spectrum of my career in terms of what styles Ooh. I can make. People are like, oh, he's a pure boxer. You got to watch. If you didn't watch, if you didn't watch my career, you 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 would say I'm a boxer. But if you if you watched it in totality, I was walking guys down, beating them up at the end of my career. So. I was I became a pressure fighter later on because uh 
I wasn't going to get any decisions anymore. People, so, the judges, the judges weren't, weren't weren't paying attention. Against Peralta, you threw a thousand and eighty-one punches in ten rounds. Yeah, eleven. Landed three hundred and seventy-one punches. Almost hit the four hundred club. When <laughs> you said three hundred club is tough. Yeah, yeah. four hundred club is even rarefied air. Uh, from the fifth fifth round, you landed forty-two punches. The seventh round, you landed fifty punches. Fifty. Yeah. Eighth round, forty-six. Ninth round, forty-one. You finished the show 48 of 135 in round 10. 135 in the 10th round of a fight that was back and forth. And, and people were like, wow, why, was that the plan to be so busy? I was like, no, the guy was in my face all night long. And actually, we were so every time we were at a press conference, the weigh-in, he got in my face. We got into shoving matches the whole way through. Did your nipples? No, I didn't touch my nipples. Like I said, I would have punched him in the face at the press conference. But uh, yeah, no, he 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 was he was trying to get in, get get after me the whole time, talking shit at the press conference. Ah. Yeah, it was uh, that was that was a fun one. Nice, Chris. I was impressive. This guy still got it, man. Uh, Marvelous 004. How much weed do you think Bob Aram smokes a month? Oh man, I mean, I've been around him. Uh, I know he's on edibles know. now. He's on. He does. It's edibles. It's not. It's not a smoking thing. It's an edible thing. But um, he says, yeah, every night, sleeping, traveling, dude, dude. That guy flies all over the world all the time. Jet lag is not a thing for him. He is incredible. That man is indestructible, and I believe that uh, those those gummies are are uh, a, a big secret weapon of his. Yes, I, I know for a fact he's a edibles guy, and um, he says that weed is like the the fountain of youth. Everyone always asks. It's no, it's no secret. Everybody. Yeah, knows. like he said, I think he said smoking weed and not giving a shit. Just <laughs> that's, the, that's 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 the I key. Someone asked him recently. <laughs> I guess that's such a Bob. Too. That's such a Bob answer. How much money he's had? He's been wealthy since for the last like fifty years, right? Since his forties. Yeah. 40s. yeah. He promoted uh, Ali. He was wealthy before that, though. He was a, right, very, he was a, successful big lawyer. Time, a lawyer. Yeah, very successful so. lawyer before he got into boxing. Such a... He's dude. He's the most interesting man I've ever been around. He's awesome. You can say what you want about it. I know there's there's a faction of people that don't like him or don't like his business practices, but you cannot deny how impressive it is that he shows up in Japan. He'll show up in Saudi first fight of the night in. Um, I didn't actually didn't see him in New York, but the first and he's fight tweeting. of the night. Oh yeah, but it's not him. But I've seen him. I mean, I've seen him on his phone. Okay, right. But I'm just saying, he's first fight of the night. He's in his seat. You know, first fight of the night. Something like 6 yeah. p.m. Like first fight. No one else is there. So, uh, he the guy loves boxing. And when he um is gone, and we're gonna, you're, it's gonna be a void. Uh, two beers podcast. Great, great show. Go check them out. Uh, who's a tougher hypothetical opponent for Devin Haney? A focused Tiafimo at 140 or Boots Ennis at 147. Hmm. Good question. I think uh, both are really tough. Um. Ah man, that's that's focus Tiafimo at one forty. Focus Tiafimo is a nightmare. Which is at one forty. That's where Haney. I feel like it's going to be for the next couple of years. Or one forty-seven. That's a whole other animal with Boots Ennis, who is a career welterweight. It's. Just, I guess it comes down to how how much do you believe in Boots Ennis, or how much do you believe in Tiafimo at one forty. It, it, so the, the issue is that we haven't seen Boots enough. We haven't seen him in with top-tier guys. We've seen T.O. in with Lomachenko and Taylor, and, and we've seen how phenomenal. Like, we also see how bad he is. But when you say when you say focused, yeah, I mean, I think a, I think a, a truly focused, top-notch display by T.O. beats Haney. So I'm I'm going to go with with T.O. because they, I just there's too many question marks for, for, for Boots. We Listen, we all know Boots is awesome. But guys, you got to be in tough fights with real guys to really show. And he hasn't been there yet. Listen, 
in six months and he fights and he beats some, some tip top guys, this is going to look dumb, but it doesn't matter. He hasn't fought him yet. So we can't say. God, I wish he would be active because talking about face. Uh, of boxing, he wants to be talking about face God. of boxing. That guy has all the potential to be it. It's just one of the most mismanaged, strange careers. Boots Ennis. I hope it changes. He's one of my favorite guys stylistically to watch today. He's got everything, everything, I mean, like literally every punch, every movement fluid. He reminds me of a more fundamental Terrence Crawford, right? Super athletic, but also very fundamental. Um, he's he's my favorite style to watch in the world today. I just want to see more of them. Um, four corner boxing sent a lot of questions, but I picked out some of the better ones. Um, which promoter and or network development show do you believe is going to do the best job to provide quality cards and who are fighters in the world that should, we should keep an eye on? Um, I'll answer this to start. Um, where I'm biased, I think MVP, the show that I work on, is one of the better ones. And obviously, Chris, you're going to say Pro Box, and rightfully so. Like They are the developmental uh, show right now. So I think just because we work for them, uh, maybe the bias is showing. But I think most viable promotions over on the zone and, and pro box are two of the developmental shows that are most dedicated right now to doing consistent shows. Pro box developmental show development. And, and it's, it's a network proving ground. that is not a promotion. So it's mm. not, they're not signing fighters the way that you would think they are. Um, and it's not your traditional boxing promotion. You cannot link, you can't really lump them in with the top ranks and the, and the uh, PBCs and the match rooms, but it is a developmental uh, ground and network to provide places for these fighters to fight and make good fights. And they are always good fights. And because boxing scene. So we're going to see Chris Algieri's uh, byline on boxing scene now. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, but really that's nothing. Pro box doesn't care. They don't care who wins. So they care about making good fights, good. which is why, yeah, developmental ground. I wouldn't say it's a developmental promotion. Mm. Uh, it's a network and a, and a proving ground for, for young fighters. Um, and, and, and to that same point, the reason I'm not going to give you names of guys that are because we don't have that many guys that, that are really signed to us that you're going to only see on us. We bring guys in from whoever, like right. that card we just put together, Picasso and P Cardenas. We don't, you know, pro box doesn't promote those guys. They just knew that they make a good fight together. And they did. So we put them, we matched them up. Who's the DeBella guy? He's fighting on one of the cars. I saw him tweet about it. He's going to be a DeBella fighter coming up on pro, pro, pro box. soon. I know Mike Juan Williams fought for you guys recently. Yeah. He uh, looked really good. Um, a bunch of his fights. There was another guy. I forgot. Um, we got Paldo coming up. Is it Paldo? Um, I don't know who it is. Um, yeah, I would say Justin um, Paldo Madueno is coming up next, which is an awesome fight. I would say Pro Box. I would say MVP. I would say Overtime Boxing. What they're doing? Um, but developmental promotion—it's always it's top rank, man. Look, you just named all, you just named all those guys who are going to be future stars. Like in terms of developmental and guys who are the, the 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 number one builder of future stars has always been top rank. I think this guy was asking about the show, like the developmental shows, like the oh, like okay, club shows. Essentially, yeah. I mean, it's funny because Top Rank basically does two in one night, right? Like the right. the 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 the, the pre-shows, the ones that five o'clock really... started on Friday. Yeah, those 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 they're full of all their 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 uh, prospects, and those are basically cl it's a club show before championship boxing. Yeah. Um. Let's get to Samatoa on Twitter. Uh, with what's going on in the boxing scorecards, would it be better to do live scoring round per round instead of waiting to the end? I hate live scoring. I've been asked this a lot. I don't like anything that promotes a fighter taking his foot off the gas pedal. So if right. they're up and they look up in the eighth round as a 12 round fight and they're up six to one or whatever the, the math is, and they're going to coast, that's going to make for a very bad fight. And guys will. There's guys way will. too much money. There's way too much money on the line, people. 
Delaware losses millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. So you don't like open scoring? No, hate it. That reason, or what's your reason? No, uh, yeah, well, no. My, my, so my reason is twofold. One, that's that's the 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 rational, you know, kind of objective reason why because you're gonna you're gonna get guys that are gonna change. But also, I kind of go just historically, you know, like I, I'm 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 an old school guy. I got that, that pugilist mentality. It's like, listen, man, you you you, you got to fight, and you, you fight as hard as you can, and you know, and and yeah, you can feel you're winning a fight and whatever, but you know, you've got to be able to. to you know sway sway the subjective feelings of those around the judges obviously at first but also the fans man that's that's important well there's got to be fights where where you want your corner to tell you the truth right you don't want your corner to bs you so you know when you're down right as a fighter you know if you're losing rounds or at least you want your corner to let you know do you need like open scoring to let you know that you have to go out there and win the last five rounds to win I think it just takes the heart out of it a little bit. Like you just gotta, you just gotta, you know, dig down. Like, but like, and, and to your same points, like you know, that last round, like, man, I don't care if I was the up or not. I I went out and tried, went balls to the wall in the last round to try and prove a point, make it, make an exclamation point. Um, every round counts. You know, a ten nine is that's a, that's an expensive thing to give up. So, um, you, you got to go for it. You got to fight hard. Yeah, you got to be smart, but you know, you got to do it. To, yeah, that's what boxing is. It, it's 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 uh, you know, you got to be a smart warrior. Um, I know you say you're old school, so I'm, so am I in, in a certain way, I like you know pushing the sport forward. But I don't know how you would feel about this. Uh, WBC President Mauricio Suleiman uh, is exploring ways to prevent a Fury versus Usyk controversy. Suleiman wants to introduce six or seven judges for this fight, where you would have six or seven judges, and then you would weed out some of the bad cards, and the three most consistent scorecards would determine. A winner. I've heard of this notion being tossed out there. I've heard of this being maybe floated around at smaller fights to kind of test it. I don't think it should be used on the biggest heavyweight fight of the last uh, 20 years. But the thought process is if we can get five or six judges, seven judges, we find the three most consistent cards, then that we, we can weed out that one bad scorecard. The guy who had one bad night. That's what Suleiman was trying to say. Both fighters uh, shot it down, uh, of course. Personally, Chris, I think it's hard enough to find three judges that are good. So now we're going to find six or seven in one night. No, I just don't think it's feasible. Number one. Number so, yeah. The, the, so I would need you. I would need to be troubleshot. I would like, I would have to see it in action uh, on cars that aren't, that aren't as important. Um, but also, I mean, the positive is you, you could weed out the corruption. It'd be very, it'd be that much more difficult to, to, you know, to compromise three out of seven judges rather than, you know, one or two out of three. So th there is that because there is, there is that in there, this sport too. Let's, let's, let's be realistic guys. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a novel idea, but it's nowhere near being able to be used in championship fights. Yeah. I, I get the theory. I get the science of it. Absolutely. I, get, I understand Absolutely. what they can do, but okay. We're really going to get seven judges. Um, when it's hard enough to find three that are competent, um, I don't know. I'm a little, I, I don't, I'm not 100% believe that. It's hard to find three competent judges, let alone seven. <laughs> uh, Weber163 on YouTube. Question for Algeria. Not that you'd avoid any fighter. Did you regularly weigh the pros and cons before taking a fight? Maybe financially, stylistically, or both? Thanks for the content and expertise from you both. Awesome question. Um, and I have a real world example. So before the Provotnikov fight, um, and it was around, I guess, I guess it was uh right around I was I was getting ready to fight Taylor. Um and 
I kind of had the option to fight either one of either uh, Lucas Matisse or Ruslan Pavanikov. So I had Lucas Matisse for a Golden Boy card, and I was making more money for that. I'm not going to give dollar amounts, but I was making there was more money offered for the Matisse fight. And do you have a title at the time? Uh, no. Okay. And Ruslan Pavanikov was uh, considerably less money mm. uh, on a uh, co-promoted top rank card for, uh, but there was a title on the line. He was coming off of uh, decimating Mike Alvarado in in Denver to take the WBO. Mike. Yeah. Uh, to to take the WBO super lightweight title. So the title was on the line. So I took less money with probably a, uh, a more dangerous guy. Um, I think you know, Lucas was very good. The machine was excellent, excellent fighter. But um, I think he could have been out box and he wasn't as just damaging. Definitely good puncher, great puncher. Um, it was a fight that I always wanted. And I actually tried to revisit that fight later on. Um, uh, I was talking to Golden Boy guys about that. But, uh, but no, I, I ended up taking... The less money title fight against the more dangerous guy, uh, based on the title. So that paid off, though. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it could have went really badly, but yeah, that worked out. Well, Pacquiao, and that, so that that worked out. So well, you, I could have got a broken eye and not a belt. You know, that would have been. It, so I would have got less no money, belt. a broken face, and no belt. That would have been really, really bad. Probably belt. wouldn't have been the co-host of this podcast either. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. I would. I would. What a decision! Around. What a decision to take that extra that knee in this first round. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably still be in school right now. <laughs> it could all change in one night. That's the beauty of boxing and this yeah. crazy thing about it. It's, it's yes and no singular so, performance. So this that that this question is so good because it, it shows it shows you how much would have had to have changed. Like how many how many decisions decisions needed to be made mm -hmm. to get to the that night that could change everything. Crazy man, wild stuff. Cool um, question. Really good one. Uh, Troy Perry on YouTube asked us, "Hey guys." Personally, I hope Spence has a comeback fight for someone like Lubin or Castaño sometime this summer. Meanwhile, hopefully Bud can fight Zoo. If Errol looks good in his comeback, then I'd like to see him versus Bud Zoo winner. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for all the content. I would love that plan. Yeah, it's a good plan. I mean, I, I hope that Errol can get it back together. Um, I don't know. I know there's been speculation lately. He's putting up the deuces sign for you know on his Twitter, and people are like, oh, does that mean he's done with the sport? We don't really know, but um, it would be nice to see him back, you know, and 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 get back to, you know, being being healthy and and his winning ways. I don't know if we're gonna see that. Um, but to see him in with these other guys coming up, it's it's the natural progression of what happens to fighters when they tend go tend to go past their prime. Is you know they 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 become the opponents of the X guys coming up. So Tim Zoo could be that kind of guy. Um, Lubin. Lubin makes sense. Um, also, you got to see what weight class uh, Spence is going to come back in. I think, I think he comes back. Now that the, the Crawford fight is out the window, um, I think he comes back at 154. So obviously he only stuck, stuck around at 147 to get that Crawford fight. So he fights at 154. He, he could beat a Lubin or a Castaño and get that win. And then it's up to him how far, how much longer he wants to go. If he wants to stick around and get that Bud rematch coming off of a few wins, all right, now it's a little more marketable. It was never marketable next because of the beating yeah. he took. But if he could take time off a little bit, uh, I know this whole career has been taking time off. He takes some time off now. He comes back at 154, gets a nice win, uh, builds up some, some momentum. Then, yeah, there's a nice little round robin that can go off at, at 154. Between I don't see that Bud fight happening. I don't Crawford think Bud's going to be that long. Yeah, well, it, it's a lot of things. Bud needs to fight someone. I, I, I talk about, like, he's got no dance partner. The best fighter in the world doesn't have a, a logical fight. It's weird. 
And and then and the face of boxing has a logical fight, but won't take it. Box. If that's not boxing in a nutshell, where you <laughs> yeah. can't be forced to fight anyone, there's no one telling you who to fight. There's no leagues. There's no schedules. Everything has to align. That's why 2024. Poor, poor Crawford, man. He's putting himself out there to jump up like five weight classes. Like just, just willing to fight anyone, anywhere. Just, just give me the biggest fight possible. Can't get it, uh, Matt. You know, um, if PBC is not receiving rights fees from Amazon Prime Video, are they going to do every single card as a pay per view? Well, they are receiving a budget. Um, if you follow S- Stephen Espinosa on Twitter, um, he has been saying, of course, there's a budget. Of course, Amazon is giving PVC money. So um, he's a pretty good source. Uh, that's what I've read. That's what I've heard. Um, it would be a shame if every single one was pay-per-view. But I believe from what I've seen and what I've heard is that there will be like uh, funding from Amazon to PVC, a budget. You know, like ESPN gives top rank $90 million a year to make fights. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be $90 million, but it should be a significant amount of money to stage these events. Um, what else we got? That's that's only I had written down. I had put out a tweet this morning. Um, what happens to PBC if they can't guarantee funds for Canelo's next fight? I don't know. It's way above my pay scale. Um, this is a, a weird one. Have Chris explain if, when, weight matters. For example, Canelo to Kovalev didn't matter, but then against Bivol it did. I don't believe weight will matter for Crawford if you fought Canelo because the skills are so high. Can you dive into that? That's just skills, right? Um, it's more than just skills because so using the example that they use was, um, it's, it's skills, it's style and it's youth. Kovlev's old when Canelo fought him. He also fought him very close to the war that he had, um, with, uh, uh, what's his name? The British yard. So him and Anthony yard went to war. And then like, I think it was like three months later, he's fighting Canelo. And if, you're close to Kovalev. You know that after fights, he tends to, he's Russian. He tends to hit the vodka and gains a lot of weight and has a lot of trouble. And normally he, I know this from working with his own coaches. Um, he usually goes away to camp just to make weight for the first couple months. And he has a very long camp just to shed pounds and then works on his boxing after that. And his sparring to get closer. I don't think there was enough time for that from in between the Anthony yard fight and the Canelo fight. So a lot of it was, was uh, very smart maneuvering on team Canelo's side that they were able to handpick a guy. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to, to what Sugar Ray Leonard did. He, he, he kind of handcuffed some of his opponents. He did the Hagler made it a smaller ring, bigger gloves. Uh, I'm sorry, bigger ring, bigger gloves, um, uh, less time, less rounds, you know, so there, there, there are ways to, to maneuver things. Um, and also you see fighters and they do, they do rehydration clauses. There are ways to handicap at the negotiating table that can really be helpful. Especially when you're so, Canelo. Right. Well, yeah. When you're in the driver's seat, there's a different thing. And then with Bivol, Bivol was young. Bivol was younger, um, but also stylistically. I don't sure. care what oh. weight they fight at. I don't think Canelo ever beats Bivol. That yeah. was a really poor decision to, to jump up to fight him. Um, just stylistically, he's just a nightmare for him. Uh, for Canelo. So I, I don't think the weight mattered in that one. Um, I think that was skills. And with the Kovalev fight, Kovalev was winning that fight too. He was beating was. Canelo. He was winning. People forget that. He was that. winning that fight. He was He's winning, winning that fight and then, you know, fell apart late. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I Weight, honestly, at the, at, it's weight's a tricky thing. It, 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 it definitely can affect certain guys, but a lot of it has to do with style. Yeah, styles. I, I, that's something I'm I'm learning more and more, calling more fights, uh, studying the game a lot more is the styles or everything. Uh, last one here. Are big names fighting once a year because A, networks, promoters are struggling to come up with the money, or B, they're asking too much in guarantees? I think it's both. 
both. I think it's definitely both. I think a lot of fighters are, I wouldn't say overpaid, but are getting paid to a point where it's like, I don't have to fight three or four times a year. Um, problem is market shifts, right? When the market's really high and guys are getting paid a ton and then the market shifts and there's a down, there's a down regulation because of networks falling out or promotions changing, whatever. Um, and then the fighters expect that same kind of money and then it's not there. They, they, they tend to be like, Oh, well, F this sit out. Um, and you're seeing that, that these guys, the heavyweights, they were all sitting out. Why? Because there, there wasn't, there wasn't the money being paid like it was back in the past when I guess when the market was higher, then, sad. then Saudi comes in money's money's available now these guys are all fighting so that that's that's uh proof to power that that that's what's going on yeah it's definitely both there's definitely a, a feeling where these guys are getting so much um that they don't have to fight more than than twice every fighter's on a two fight schedule canelo did that four one that four in one year and it was he was looked at as like a freaking god and then there's not enough dates to go around there really isn't like i always it's not really you know rocket science to figure out if you know the networks are aligned with the promoters and they have to put on a certain amount of fights, and they'll spread out uh, a fighter over a, uh, over a course of a year to fight twice uh, rather than three times because they have the X amount of dates and, and vice versa. So that's what we're seeing. But great questions from everyone. Everyone that um, we have very intelligent listeners. Really do. It's nice to meet them in person, and it's also nice to, to interact with them. Uh, whether it was on uh, YouTube, we got questions sent to us on Twitter. We got questions sent to us on on Instagram. So good stuff, man. Good stuff. What's going on this week? What's going on this weekend? What did we got in the boxing? We got a few fights, a few fights. I'll watch Berlanga. Um, we got Berlanga. We got Nakatani on, on ESPN. We got Berlanga on DAZN. Um, yeah, I mean, good, solid fights. Solid fights. Solid fights. Solid episode. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And we'll be back next week with even more hard-hitting analysis coming your way. Remember to protect yourself at all times. Keep your hands up at all times. Stay out of those DMs unless you're sending us great questions for the mailbag. Good night.